All right, welcome everybody. Uh, this is Pej here today on Pej's Recovery Corner. We are a recovery podcast that talks about all things recovery or lack thereof, depending on how you roll. But today I have a very special guest. It's my friend, Audra. Audra, yes. welcome to the corner. Thank you. Nice yeah, to have you here. here. Um, so Audra is somebody who now I'm working with kind of closely. I yeah. will be working with a lot more closely. Um, we are two professionals in the field of addiction and alcoholism. And we will be helping a lot of people, God willing. Um, so good to have you on today. Thanks. Yeah, great to meet everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I want to learn about you. I want to learn more about you. Like I only know, um, as a professional, I know like what we're about to do and who you are. But I want to know who's Audra. Like where were where were you born? Where were you raised? What was that like? Mm-hmm. So I was raised in Fargo, North Dakota. I grew up with a sister. Um, Both my parents were at home. We were honestly just a pretty normal family. Like I... So what's, I mean, when you say like North Dakota, this is all I know about North Dakota. I mean, that's because I only drove through, but I just envisioned farmland. Was it... Farmland. Is that what you you grew up in that type of environment? Well, I didn't actually grow up in that type of environment. Um, I, you know, lived in the city. It's, lots of people think it's just like cows or like the movie Fargo. Mm -hmm. But no, I had you know, just a regular house and like, I would say it's like a suburban type city feel, mm-hmm. but yeah, there's a lot of farmland still, a lot, like more outside of Fargo. Okay. So, so yeah. you lived in like, kind of like suburbia. Yes. And your sister was older or younger? Younger. So she's 21 now. She was three and a half or she is three and a half years younger than me. And you're 25. Yes. Okay. And uh, growing up there, was it boring? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I grew up in Utah. So like, yeah. it's a very boring town unless you know how to ski. Yeah. What was it like growing up in North Dakota? I mean, it was boring if you didn't have anything to do, but I like kept myself occupied for the most part. I was involved, you know, in dance, theater, piano. I tried like every single sport, volleyball, mm-hmm. soccer, but uh, outside of the activities, it's not the most exciting town in the wintertime. In the summer, it's beautiful. And, you know, the lakes are just an hour away. Mm-hmm. But like yeah. the lakes, like the 10,000 lakes? Yes, in okay. Minnesota. Yeah, because Fargo is right on the edge of North Dakota. Mm-hmm. And so it's like Fargo-Moorhead. And then Minneapolis, you know, is like three hours away. So I spent a lot of time there too. Okay, so like growing up like in high school or junior, or I'm sorry, in like the college years, mm-hmm. people, would, if they got too bored in North Dakota, they'd go over to Minneapolis because it's more of a yeah. active, like fast-paced city. Yep, exactly. Okay. And when you were there, did you, uh, I mean, as – when was the first time you ever like experimented with drugs or alcohol? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was 16 years old. I, before that I was a really good kid. Like I was a good student. I honestly didn't really push the boundaries too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I wasn't, you know, perfect, but I, yeah, that summer I kind of already been looking for trouble. I'd been sneaking out. And so eventually I was like, at 16. Yeah. At 16. And, um, yeah, I tried alcohol for the first time. And after that, like my life did a complete 180. It wasn't like, okay, let's like experiment a little with weed. It was like, I'm going to go full fledged into addiction. And why? Why? I mean, when you said you tried alcohol, yeah, did you just love it? Yes. And how did you get it? Yeah. So I was at a party with my friends mm-hmm. and I, you know, was actually really scared to try it. I didn't want to. And I should have, you know, mm-hmm. kept that anxiety with me. That would have saved me a lot of trouble. But okay. yeah, no, I just remember the first time um, I drank and it was like, I want this forever. Like it completely changed my life. I'm, I was struggling a lot with anxiety and depression and 
uh, yeah, it just seemed to solve all my problems. Okay, and since we, today, like, we are talking about alcoholism and anxiety, mm -hmm. uh, when you say you were struggling with anxiety, do you know, like, where that originated or where it started from? Did it start from a really young age? Yeah, so actually my doctor diagnosed me as having anxiety when I was, like, three years old. That but, young? Yeah, so he told my mom, he said, you know, your daughter's going to have anxiety. And I don't know. Were you just like a restless tell. little infant? Yeah, little kid. I guess I don't remember, but I know that you know I've uh, my aunt has anxiety. My grandma, my mom has a little bit of it, but not like I do. So it's kind so of hereditary. I think it was more of like just a chemical imbalance in my brain. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, did they ever give you medication for anxiety at, at any age? Yes. So I'd already started drinking by the time I got anxiety medication. So it really didn't, you know, do what it was supposed to do because I was so like full fledged into addiction. But I do you think the alcohol was kind of like it wasn't going to be able to make the medication for anxiety work? Yeah. But were you taking the medication before you drank? Um, no, I wasn't. So I didn't start taking. Uh, I was prescribed Lexapro actually at mm -hmm. 17. And mm -hmm. so I was already like drinking and using other drugs. Totally so, defeats the purpose. Yeah. yeah. And it actually like made me want to drink more because it made me feel, you know, just very numb to everything. So when you drank, the anxiety would go away? Mm -hmm. Yes. And I felt, you know, accepted, like I had more friends. Accepted. I mean, look at you. You're beautiful. Yeah. Oh, thank like, you. Like, <laughs> what would you need to feel like you're accepted? Uh, I don't know. Did you feel less than? Yeah, I always felt less than. I mean, I would say like middle school time is when I started to feel like very insecure about myself mm -hmm. and I don't know where that stems from right. other than you know just comparison and that's that was a tough age for me I did have friends but yeah mm -hmm. it was you know, know it's it's really interesting I think uh, in the adolescent phase like mm -hmm. when we're in junior high school there's that trying like the identity crisis trying mm -hmm. to realize like figure out who we are yeah on top of that like there's puberty and there's all the stuff that we're going through physically mm -hmm. so I believe like it's 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 a trip because as much as I felt really insecure mm -hmm. in those in that era and those years, especially like I had acne on my forehead much mm -hmm. far Same. before anybody else, oh my gosh, right? Yeah. Before anyone else got it, <laughs> and so like that that'll make you feel insecure. Yeah. And, and I I think back now and I think I bet you all the kids were feeling that way. Yeah. But just some of us like gravitated towards other things like yeah. drugs, exactly. alcohol, but you had friends that were already drinking too. Yeah, I did. And you know, it's like, I was seeking out trouble for mm -hmm. sure. And it's not like my friends were influencing me. I was definitely finding friends who wanted to do the same things that I did. Sure. So, yeah. So 16, you fell in love with alcohol mm -hmm. and that just became your numbing mechanism for a while. Yep. You were doing that regularly. Yes. Uh, like from 16 on? Yeah. So from 16 on, I was just hardcore alcoholic. I guess I had periods of time where I wasn't drinking mm -hmm. as heavily. I had actually a pretty scary experience when I was 18 mm -hmm. from a drug I took. It was supposed to be Molly and it was, we don't know what was what in age? it. What um, age? 18. So it was like a couple years after I'd been, you know, heavily drinking and mm -hmm. I ended up in psychosis actually in the hospital because it was laced with we don't know what it was, but it definitely was not what I, it was supposed to be in. Um, you so, know. so your Molly for this age group is our ecstasy for my age. Yes, group. exactly. Because I'm now older. Yeah, and we did a lot of <laughs> ecstasy, and I think it like changed the name and perhaps like the molecular structure yeah. has differed too. But where did you get that? 
Um, I got it at a party from a girl that I had just met. You know, I was going around the party asking for it. So, well, how <laughs> was, did you know about it? Was there other people on it? Um, yeah, there was definitely people on other drugs at that party, and so, so you just knew like you were at a party where everyone's doing drugs. Yes, exactly. and this is in North Dakota. Oh uh, no! So this is in Minneapolis. Minneapolis. I lived in Minneapolis for five years too. So this, I moved to Minneapolis at eighteen, um, in March time. So. Let's back up real quick because I do mm -hmm. want to get to Minneapolis. I know like that yeah. that's party central, <laughs> but didn't you at 17 go to rehab? I did. And, yes. and why is that? So I did outpatient. Uh, that was not. No inpatient. Uh, no, I did not do inpatient. My... Why'd you end up there? Just because my mom was very concerned for me. And, you know, I, like I said before, I was a really good student. Now I was skipping school. Mm -hmm. um, I was drinking heavily. And she didn't know, but, you know, I'd experimented with other drugs and my personality was just not what it used to be. And she knew something was wrong. So she intervened and she's like, you're going to outpatient treatment. I did that for about four or five months. And stayed at home, but like we're, mm -hmm. we're, you were going to like a center? Yeah. So I went to school and then like after school, my mom would drive me there and it would be three, four hours, like three, four times a week. Did you get anything out of that? Um, I mean, not really. Unfortunately, I actually just found more kids to get into trouble with. You mean so, there was other kids there that were yes. adolescents, that were teenagers yes. that had issues? Yeah. And most of the people there, I would say actually like 100% of the people there were all, you know, parents had brought them there because they were getting into trouble or like the court system had said, hey, you have to go to treatment so and during that time you did you have to stay sober yes were you getting tested yes and so i actually did have to stay sober but towards the end of it i started going out again and i was just like you know like towards this. the end of being in treatment yes yeah you were going out and partying yes yeah so. didn't, didn't they test you <laughs> uh yeah i got like they told me i couldn't come back anymore basically oh so you pretty much yeah i ruined that you ruined that okay yeah so at 18, what did you move to Minneapolis because mm -hmm. you're just like, I'm out of here, like peace? Yes. And mm -hmm. um, I, yeah, I just wanted to go live in Minneapolis for opportunities. I wanted to go to school there. Mm -hmm. And then I had a boyfriend at the time who lived in Minneapolis. Okay. So. Did you go live with him? Yes. Right. Yeah. Was he using or drinking? Um, He was, but he was definitely more of a normie. Yeah. I mean, he experimented with drugs for sure, but he never had an issue. And with for those that don't drugs. know, what's a normie? It's someone who can uh, definitely handle drinking. They don't have to, you know. <laughs> it's not like me and you that we, like, phone. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's somebody who can have two drinks and be like, okay, I think I'm just going to go ahead and put that aside. Yeah. Me or you, if we do two drinks, the night is still young. Yeah, yeah, no, two yeah. drinks is a joke. Okay. We can't do that. Yeah, you want to go hard, <laughs> as well as use other stuff with it, too. Yeah. All right, so then uh, you're in Minneapolis. You're mm -hmm. with your normie boyfriend mm -hmm. and uh, drinking? Yes. Heavily? Yes, very heavily. Like, I mean, I would carry booze around in my purse, and I remember I bought a larger purse so that it would fit wine bottles, and I would carry it with me, you know, to the grocery store, and to the movies and thankfully you know he would drive mm -hmm. but yeah it's just it was now you're 18 at this time so you're not yeah. even of the legal age no to be able to drink no but you were able to obtain alcohol it's not a problem yes okay yeah i found my way you found your way <laughs> yeah. and in minneapolis uh, no, okay this is what i also wanted to talk about so you were a theater nerd right yes you what like what you wanted to be an actress yeah, so I always wanted to be an actress. Uh, I did want to be a dancer, actually, for a long time. But, 
with dancing, you know, you really have to stay in your craft and continue. Like I took so many years off because of my alcoholism that, um, you know, I can't really pursue dancing anymore. I could. What but, kind of dancing did you want to do? Uh, I wanted to do like background music video dancing, tour dancing. I was really into jazz, like lyrical ballet even. Yeah. When you were a little kid, were you a ballerina? Were you, did yeah. you tap, tap or anything Yeah, like tap, dance. Okay. I did everything. Um, I didn't do points, which was the only one, you know. Cause What's point? So that's where you're like on your toes. That's part of ballet? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That, so the, I didn't do that really. Right. I did it for a couple of years. But uh, yeah, other than that, I loved just regular ballet class, lyrical. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you like dancing? Mm hmm There's a lot of dancing in Minneapolis. Yes, tons. It's a great, like I said, arts community. Major. Yeah. So the, the plan when you moved to Minneapolis was to hopefully pursue a something to do with entertainment, correct? Yes. And school too. You know, I... Had a few major changes. I went to school for interior design, for business management. Now I'm in school again for communications and minoring psychology. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I wanted to do something with dancing. I thought maybe it would be fun to be a Timberwolves dancer. But yeah, of course, I was drinking way too heavily to pursue that. Now, when you were drinking heavily, mm -hmm. was were you the girl at the club that was belligerently drunk? Yes. Like yes. there was episodes? Um, yeah, I mean, thankfully, I never had too many like scenes where I was just way out of control. And I never was a person who was causing problems when I drank. Mm. It's just, you know, I was obviously causing myself a lot of harm. A lot of internal issues. Yes. But the problem was, is, you know, I'd get drunk to the point where I knew I wouldn't black out. And then I'd come home and just pound bottles. And then at home? Out. Yes, you afterwards. Yep. So... A person with anxiety from a very young age as yourself, mm -hmm. at this time, you're in full-blown alcoholism, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I can't pronounce you an alcoholic, but you yeah. can, right? Yeah, it's definitely an alcoholic. Okay. <laughs> um, and so in your off times of not drinking, mm -hmm. was the anxiety just like overwhelming? Terrible. Yeah, especially after that psychosis episode, I... You know, I was too scared to drink again because I, when I'm hungover, I can sometimes have heightened anxiety. Mm -hmm. And so I was trying to avoid any added anxiety as much as possible. But yeah, it was just like what fighting is, tooth and nail. Your anxiety, what does it look like when you're in alcoholism, in active mm -hmm. alcoholism and not drinking on the times like when you're not drinking? I Obviously, mm -hmm. like you would find yourself back to a bottle, but like what would happen to you? Were you having like nervous breakdowns? Yes. Were you were you just losing your shit? What, what what was it? Yeah, so I had a lot of PTSD from that um, psychosis episode, and anytime I'd go anywhere with fluorescent lights, which uh -huh. is basically everywhere, I would break down crying. I would start, you know, almost re-hallucinating because when I was in the hospital with all the lights, I was, you know, seeing things that weren't there mm -hmm. um, because of the drugs I had taken and. So, you know, I'd go into Target and the lights would re-trigger that. So I just break down crying and I actually avoided. You were refilling stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So I avoided a lot of, you know, outings. I would do, you know, my boyfriend at the time would go out for me. And mm -hmm. yeah, I just was a hermit for the most part. Other than I would go to work. And even at work, I had a few times where I would just start panicking and crying. And mm -hmm. I would think that my body was shutting down that I was having a heart attack. Mm -hmm. And so just, you know, all these like absurd thoughts that would come to my brain. The psychosis when you, this is from Molly that mm -hmm. you didn't know it was in it. 
when you went into psychosis, were you hallucinating? Yes. Were you hearing voices? Mm -hmm. Yeah, everything. And I, yeah, that day was terrible. I actually had an allergic reaction to the drug too. Um, my whole body, like I got hives everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I thought that smoking weed was going to help. And that made it so much worse. And that's when I ended up going to the hospital. Made it worse because at that point, was your mind like in clusterfuck mode? Yes. So I had been like walking around circles. I remember for like seven hours, just seeing things, hearing things. I'm like, okay, maybe if I smoke weed, this will help. And that made the hallucinations like tenfold. And I was like, okay, you know, you need to drive me to the hospital right now. This is not good. And how long were you hospitalized for? Um, Only the night. And then I was back in the ER, like three or four times within two weeks and they kept sending me home. Like, Why were you back in the ER? Uh, because I was having like the psychosis experiment or experience, excuse me. And it was coming back within two weeks. Yes. Yeah. And so I would just, what the hell was in that drug? I don't know, but it wasn't as, you know, intense as it was when I was on it, but mm -hmm. it would still like, I would start to get hives again and it was just very Hives bizarre. of all things. That's yeah. so weird. I I, Cause I, I myself being, you know, working in the field of addiction, mm -hmm and an ex meth user mm -hmm. i know that like back in the day when we would use ecstasy sometimes it would have a lot of meth in it i mean yeah. it, is, it is a stimulant in a sense mm -hmm. but um but like i've seen a lot of people in psychosis where where they hear things they 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 imagine things they're absolutely certain that certain things are happening mm -hmm. and they want to convince you that they're happening too but like this mm -hmm. this is like next level yeah it was so bizarre to me i'd never really had panic attacks before that moment and so I had no idea what was going on I thought that my body was just like shutting down I had accepted that I was gonna die and so yeah it was a very terrible terrible time mm -hmm. in my life uh it doesn't like trip you out to be talking about no. this stuff no so I've done a lot of um you know therapy and I did EMDR and really I I love EMDR yes what I, I mean I believe in it, it yeah. it's so so effective it changes lives mm -hmm. and yeah I hadn't done EMDR for that situation until I was 22 mm -hmm. and so from 18 to 22 I was unable to talk about that situation without breaking down crying like getting like highly emotional yes and then I did um EMDR therapy and, and what do they do in EMDR so I held a clicker and I know you can do it because I've done it now over zoom you know like tapping myself right. but basically it's just a device that um you know it goes left right in your hand like with taps and it I don't know exactly the science behind it, but it triggers both of your brain parts, right? To process uh -huh. information correctly, I think. So does like it, left and right side. But in that practice, is it is it making you delve into your past or let go of shit? Yes. Yeah. That, well, for me, it made me understand that I'm not in danger anymore. Okay. And that, you know, I don't need to live in fear of this happening again. I can take the right steps in my recovery process to make sure that, you know, I don't ever ingest drugs like Molly or sure. whatnot. And that I don't need to be fearful. Like it helped me understand the situation because I, you know, had that PTSD associated with it. And I couldn't understand that I wasn't going to be in danger again right. from that situation. And EMDR is highly effective for PTSD and for, for a lot of different mm -hmm. reasons, you know, a lot of different things. I know that I myself did psychodrama when mm -hmm. I was in treatment and it completely changed my life. I know there's DBT and CBT and all, yeah. all that too, that a lot of people will use. But often when I hear of uh, the center that offers uh, EMDR, mm -hmm. it's just like, oh my God, I love that. I, yeah. I, I know that when somebody's uh, 
when a professional is is experienced in in doing EMDR with their clients, I just know like it can change lives. Mm -hmm. And obviously it did. I mean, look, yeah. you there was a time when you would get highly emotional. Now, like you can openly talk about this stuff. And I mm -hmm. think it's it's good because you can help a lot of people. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's probably a ton of people out there. There are a ton of people out there that mm -hmm. still suffer from high anxiety or anxiety mm -hmm. disorder. So um, EMDR is always a good option. Yeah. So at that time, like 18, you went to Minneapolis and you were there for how many years? I was there until I was 23. 23. And, yeah, so five years. And then alcoholism kind of ran rampant for mm -hmm. four years? Yes. Four years. Yep. So at 22, I went to Hazelden and that was all my own doing. Actually, my parents... What had happened that you went? Was there a crisis? Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's like putting it lightly. <laughs> to say the least. Um, but yeah, at 21, I actually kind of quit drinking before I was 21 for about a month and a half. But, you know, I turned 21. I'm like, why would I quit drinking? Mm -hmm. What's that defeats the whole purpose of being 21. And that year was the worst year of my um, drinking. I was starting to have physical consequences. Like, my health was deteriorating. Physical in what way? Your liver? Um, no. So it wasn't like liver shutting down, but I was having allergic reactions almost to the alcohol. Like the next day. Were I, you actually breaking out in hives from the alcohol? Um, not hives, but I would have just really weird like um, thyroid problems. Mm -hmm. So I have also uh, autoimmune disease associated with my thyroid. And so that was worsening it. Okay. And we weren't really sure what was going on. But yeah, I was just getting more and more sick. My hangovers were lasting for days. But uh, I ended up in the emergency room about eight times within six months no. and before I quit drinking. And, you know, one That's time, a lot of times. Yeah, yeah, a lot of money to right. not do not recommend it. But most of it was honestly for panic attacks from withdrawing from the alcohol. It was mm -hmm. so severe. And I was also like re-experiencing the psychosis um, symptoms when I was hungover. And that happens. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was very scary. And so I also had alcohol poisoning a couple of times. That's so. not good. No. Yeah. Did you experience seizures? No seizures, thankfully. How about DTs? Um, no. No hallucinations? All hallucinations, hallucinations. sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just all around like very, very bad and you're lucky you caught it young yeah i mean caught got in front of it young yeah because you said you voluntarily went to hazelton mm -hmm. which i mean at the age of 23 mm -hmm. it's not a lot of people that are like young mm -hmm. that really want to go get help unless they're withdrawing from opiates yeah do you know what i mean like with alcoholism it's you got to be really like it's, it's mm -hmm. really got to be a problem to to go and say, okay, I want help for this yeah and people have told me that but it was weird because to me I felt like I was going two ways. Like I'm going to either die or I'm going to go get help. Like I felt like I had no choice mm. and it got really scary because, you know, I knew I had a problem, but then eventually I realized that like, oh crap, I don't know if I can stop this problem. And I think this problem is going to, you know, control my life and end up killing me. And that was really, really scary because I felt so powerless over my addiction. And um, eventually, yeah, I just got to the point where I'm like, I I can't live like this anymore. Okay. So, Audra, you went to rehab that mm -hmm. time. That's your second time. Yes. Did you stay sober when you got out of Hazelden? Uh, for a year, I did. Mm -hmm. And then I, I ended up relapsing right after my one-year mark. Mm -hmm. I was going through my 
breakup with my long-term boyfriend and which was the boyfriend you lived with in Minnesota. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we'd been together for a long time and I was just mentally not doing good. I hadn't told anyone about, you know, my addiction problems. I was not open about it mm-hmm. and I felt almost shame. Like right. I, why am I like this? You know, I was still going out to parties too and like being around people who like to drink heavily. And so I, yeah, I tried to drink again and the first night went great. Like I sipped one drink for four hours. And um, so I'm like, Oh, I am fixed, you know? And then the next day I'm blacking out. And uh, yeah, I, that lasted for about a couple months, just like drinking over Mm. the weekends. Anxiety was back in the mix. Oh, so bad. Like after the breakup, totally. Yes. Yeah. Terrible. And so, you know, I would have to take benzos to help with my hangovers. That's how bad they were. Was it Xanax? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Prescribed? Yeah. Or Ativan. It wasn't Xanax. Okay. Yeah. Did you ever do Xanax? No. Okay. Yeah. So the Ativan was prescribed by a doctor? Yes. Did you take it as needed? Um, I mean... I did then when I was in high school, you know, I, I definitely messed around with Xanax a little more than I should have, mm-hmm. like should have, but yeah, I was just like, I needed it. Otherwise I was going to end up back in the emergency rooms <laughs> for my panic attack. So, so at that time you're back to drinking mm-hmm. lasted a few months. Yeah. Then what? And then uh, the pandemic started like a month later after that, I think it was. Yeah. Cause that was December. And then, yeah, March came around, so I was secluded, and then the bars opened back up in my hometown. I'd moved back to Fargo, and I felt like I was going so backwards in my life. I was very depressed. I didn't know, you know, what I wanted to do, and everything was shut down. I wasn't working, and so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go drink again, and I did that for a month, and then I'm like, yeah, this is no way to live my life. I never want to do it again. And Why? I- what, what? How did you realize, like, this is no way to live your life? Uh, so going into that second relapse, like I already knew I was an alcoholic. I knew what was to come. I knew that I wasn't going to be able to handle it, but I didn't care. And then, yeah. A the month, bars opened back up what? like during, In May of 2020. The bars in North Dakota yeah. opened like a month after? Yeah. <laughs> a month after the pandemic started? Yes. And did they just stay open? Yes. The whole time. Oh, my God. It was crazy. Yeah. No, Fargo is the i think it's the number one drunkest city in america still per capita so people i think if i lived there i would want to drink too yeah yeah i mean it just seems so boring i've driven through there i'm like well this place is really boring (laughs) yeah but then again i guess the downtown life is not so bad but um okay so you during pandemic Mm -hmm. you drank you came to this realization this isn't going to work Did you go back to treatment or did you sober up on your own? Uh, no, I did it on my own because I already had those tools that I had learned at Hazelden and I did start going to AA. I was going to AA like three times a week, all online. I had a sponsor and then I was doing therapy once a week and I did that religiously. Did from, you do that online too? Uh, no, I did that in person, in person actually. Yeah. Up until November and then, you know, the surge happened again. And then she's like, we have to go online. So yeah. oh, I got hit in, in, by, in November. Yes. Last year, this time I got hit. Yeah. I got COVID in November last year too. Right. So not I, fun. <laughs> I think that, that month was like a gnarly month. Yeah. Yeah. So now you, you've uh, lived what outside of California. You're mm-hmm. now in LA. Yes. You moved to LA to yes. do what? You said you're going to school for, for psychology, right? Well, communication is minor in psych. Minor in psych. Yep. Is the minor in psych because of 
everything? Yeah, I mean, I'm just very interested in how the brain works and especially with, you know, other mental illnesses and how, you know, we can, I want to eventually, you know, get my master's in psychology and learn more about like holistic medicine and holistic approaches. I do believe still in medications, but I think that there's alternate ways to, you know, help people. And that's kind of what So I'm when you say alternate in. ways, do you mean like for people that have mental health, mm -hmm. there's alternate ways outside of um, Western medicine? Yeah. So just like meditation, um, EMDR even, just mm -hmm. other things that don't include antidepressants, mm -hmm. antipsychotics. Do you not believe in antidepressants for yourself? Um, I... For me, I haven't had the best experience with them. I'm not saying that there's not one out there. It's just I'm kind of sick of trial and erroring with mm -hmm. them. So, and thankfully, my anxiety is not terrible anymore. You know? That's what I was going to ask you. So, do you at this time, like, are you on Lexapro? No. And do you live life without antidepressants? Yep. You do. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, look, I, I just met you today for the first yeah. time in person, right? <laughs> but, like, looking at you in pictures because you've got like a presence online mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. you have your instagram page and a tiktok right mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> you seem like you're in good spirits all the time but yeah usually like what we see always displayed isn't real however just in talking with you it seems like you've been able to get in front of your anxiety because you don't have it as much yeah i mean i guess i've learned how to manage it and accept the fact that it's never going away and that like I always am going to have some level of anxiety and I'm not going to act like it's not a struggle still because you know I do still go to therapy I still work on it um but, but you know how to process your emotions better yes so much better and you know getting older I just feel like my brain's developing more and I love getting older I feel much more wise than I was at 21 so and being in LA are you uh trying to be an actress yes well I am trying to do some acting I mean I'd love to do like comedic acting oh, you're a comedian I mean are I you funny I I don't <laughs> it depends like if I'm acting yes if I am like day to day I'm just like a chill not serious person but right. I'm more low-key okay otherwise uh, I mean, I think it'd be fun to do screenwriting as well. Oh, awesome. So just Love whatever, it. like, I find to be the best fit for me, whatever jobs I can get. So. And do you think, uh, obviously, Hollywood's a different animal mm -hmm. than theater, for example. Mm -hmm. I mean, oh, yeah. a lot of actors started <laughs> in theater, right? Yes. And this was your past, and you, you love theater. Mm -hmm. But, like, now um, you're ready for to conquer and do new yeah. things, right? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you came to the right place. Yeah, and I'm like, if I don't end up doing this, I absolutely love California regardless. Mm -hmm. I think that there is an amazing community of sober people here mm -hmm. and the lifestyle, like warm weather, you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. <laughs> it ain't this this type of weather right now in, in no, Fargo. No, no, Or I'm, Minneapolis for that matter. No, it's like, well, I actually think it's in the 50s right now, which is nice right. for November, but yeah, yeah. not 70s. Well, so, and right now you're, you have started working for a place which is down in Newport Beach. Mm -hmm. It's called Ocean Rock. Yes. I'm sure they want to, they, they're happy that I give a little shout out. Yes. Yes. And, um, <laughs> and so do you mind if people follow you on Instagram? What's your Instagram handle? Yeah, definitely. It's just Audra M. Hansen. And so, yeah, I work for Ocean Rock. Pej and I work together. <laughs> so we're on the business development team. Yeah. And yeah. And then TikTok. TikTok, same, Audra M. Hansen. Audra M. Hansen. Yep. They can all find you there. Yeah. And what's, what's your TikTok presence uh, consist of? Oh, 
I mean, what do you do on there? I don't really utilize TikTok anymore. I need to put more videos and I I've talked about, you know, doing more um, addiction based videos too. Mm -hmm. So hopefully I can kind of shift my silly dance videos. To I think we're starting, serious. we're going to be starting. Something oh yeah. Too. Cool. So you're comfortable in your skin today, right? Yes. Right. It's you've come a far way since the uncomfortability that we yeah. experienced when we were uh, adolescents, right? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, still working on it, of course, always, but yeah, nothing like it used to be. Awesome. This has been good. Yeah. It's been good to it's get to know good. you like <laughs> on our first day of, of meeting, like we're already on camera together, yeah. but um, awesome. I, I'm, I love that you got sober so young. Mm -hmm. I love that you continue to stay sober so young and that you've embraced this way of life. Yeah. And um, I, I believe that uh, you have a very bright future ahead of you for sure. Thank you. I love that you're like, you know, trying to do things educationally mm -hmm. and, and you love entertainment and you're, it seems like you're going to do fine. You're going to move Thanks. mountains. Yeah. I mean, I am happy to be out here and thank you for having me on too. Well, there's one last thing I want to ask okay. you. If, if you encounter people that are young, because a lot of the youth mm -hmm. um, has a lot of anxiety, mm -hmm. uh, how, what kind of message do you want to put out there towards people as far as to try to give them some hope? Um, I would say, you know, just to accept things for how they are. I think a big problem with me is always feeling the need to fix myself and that something's wrong and just learning to live in the moment. I know it sounds so cliche, but it really does help. I think and, it's the art of good living. Yeah. And meditation and breath work. You know, I've gotten a lot more into that in the last year. And breath work wow, is awesome. Amazing. I thought it was so silly before. No, it's a natural no, high. Yeah, it definitely works. And it helps, you know, in very stressful situations for me to just, you know, step aside and breathe for a couple minutes to my breathing exercises and yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it's been good to have you on. Thank, Thank you so you. much for coming out today. Yes. And we're going to be signing off. Thank you to all that were on today. Thank you. Much love. Bye-bye.